Thank you very much. How's everyone doing today? Y'all think you can get? You think you can handle a southern draw for an hour or so here? <laughs> it's cold up here. My goodness gracious. It's a pleasure to be here today with you, and I'm excited to help you with your horse uh, today, and I know we can. Uh, let me ask you this. How many has a fat, overweight, crusty neck? Insulin resistant? Kind of insulin resistant? Yeah, okay. Laminated? Prone to laminitis? Had laminitis? Okay. So mostly just the big overweight horses. Well, I'm, I'm real familiar with these big over, overweight, crusty neck horses because we have mountain horses. And they are, okay, there you go. And they are just such easy keepers. Kind of like these Shetland ponies almost, you know, they're just, you, they live off air. But there's some real uh, wonderful solutions, believe it or not, for these overweight horses. But, you know, on the other end, uh, isn't it possible to see these guys with these problems? I mean, when they turn to laminitis or when they turn to the cushions or when they um, have just uh, poor health in general, uh, it's, it's just not a very pleasant thing to say the least. And it's not uncommon for these fat, overweight, crescent neck horses to have laminitis down the road or to have cushions down the road. So we really want to try to give you some ideas today so you can prevent those situations from occurring. Um, is that okay? Sound good? But I also want to answer any other questions that you have today. So if you have a particular problem, I don't mind answering that either. You know, as you heard earlier, my mission in life is to uh, find natural um, alternatives, you know, to common problems. And our horses today, just they, they're not what they used to be. Would you agree with me on that? They're not as hardy as they used to be. Uh, I don't think they're as healthy as they used to be. I see more allergy horses, more hypothyroid horses than I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, when I was growing up, all we did was feed our, our horses uh, whatever grain we could get a hold of. Usually it was just corn that was left over after the picker went through and picked it all, and we went behind and picked up what we could and, and just gave them corn. And then if we were really doing good that year, we might have we might even grind the corn for it. So we didn't think about uh, a lot of the things that we do today. We certainly didn't take care of them the way we did. We might give them a plug of tobacco to be one every now and then. Um, but you know what? Our horses didn't get sick then. They're very, very, very self-sick. Are you thinking the same way I am? You know, what have we done to our horses to make them um, not as healthy? Uh, I think back to our particular breed. One of the reasons I got into mountain horses is because they're such a hardy breed. You know, you, you say literally they live off air. Uh, you know, just don't have to feed them much at all. And... Um, you know, back to the original foundation horses within our breed, they were, even though they're often called Rocky Mountain horses, they were actually originated in the hills of Kentucky. And they didn't have good pasture. In fact, in most cases, they were just grazed on the strip mines, the grass that was left over and out in the... They never had any vaccinations, never had any deworming, never had anything, but yet... They were really, really hardy horses. In fact, their five foundation sires were still breeding in their late 30s. And they said, I guarantee you, they never had a vaccine in their life. Never had a vaccine. But we've changed. You know, things have changed. And what have we changed? So what, what, why do we have EPM in horses? 
that's a perfect example. And these are things that uh, I started questioning as my life progressed and I transitioned from traditional medicine, you know, the everyday practice of making a living with vaccines and dewormers and steroids and all that kind of stuff to where I am today where we're going to use drugs. So one of the big questions is why do horses have EPS? You know, that's some call it cotton fever, you know, where they're exposed to the protozoan and, and the manure from the opossum. They can actually have a neurological condition where they die. You know, why after why do horses have problems being around the opossum today when they've commingled with the opossum for millions and millions and millions of years? You know, they live together all these years in the wild. So anyway, questions like this kept coming to mind. You know, what what have we done to our horses to make them so prone to other problems so that they're not as healthy? Why do horses get fat on grass? My goodness, you know, our horses were raised, I mean, if you think about it, they're made to live off grass, you know? But yet, these overweight horses, like many of you have in this room, you know, you you have to put a grazing muzzle on them, for goodness sake. It just doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, are you with me? Horses should be able to eat grass. They should be able to eat all the grass they want. So, again, what's changed? Well... One thing for sure is um, what we do on a regular basis, deworming, um, vaccinations, the whole other topic, and I don't even really want to go there much today, but uh, very controversial what I say, because I definitely think we're over-vaccinating our horses today, and I definitely think we're over-deworming our horses today. I have no doubt of that. Um, I think we are killing our horses today with a lot of these things that we're using on a regular basis. And it's real scary to me. I think that's a big reason for a lot of the problems that we have. Um, think about it. You know, I mean, we're, we're all been led to believe that all, all horses have worms, right? So we want to do what's best for them. So we deworm our horses usually every two months or once a quarter, sometimes every month, because that's what we've been told to do. That's what we think is right. Uh, because we're so afraid to do otherwise. You know, they come around and show us all these ugly pictures. You see the pictures in the magazines, and you, you want to be a good horse owner, so you do it. And that's what veterinarians were taught uh, some time back. But the truth is, all horses don't have one. But we sure all believe that. And we do thousands of parasite exams in our lab. Um, because we, do, we have a natural warmer, and we give away free parasite exams. And so we check a lot of horses. And if you talk to the leading parasitologists and not the drug company, they will also tell you that our horses don't have one. They'll also tell you, like I'm going to tell you, that, that um, we are creating super bugs, super worms, just like these staff organisms today. There were nothing working. You know, in goats, nothing works anymore as a dewormer. You know, we've used and overused these chemicals so much that these, these organisms or these diseases, worms, have become resistant to the dewormer. Uh, I got a call from the, from the University of, uh, from Kentucky, University of Kentucky, from their leading parasitologist there. And he had heard that our natural dewormer works for goats. And so he was inquiring with regards to it. And, and he said his exact words were, if we don't find something that works in goats, we're not even going to have any more goats. I heard you die. Because nothing's working. 
same way in Florida. Uh, pinworms is a, was a problem in Florida. Nothing was working for pinworms because we overused his pinnacle. But here's the truth as far as dewormers. We, all horses are exposed to worms. They don't all come down with them. But just like we're all being exposed to the flu today, we're not all going to come down with the flu. Some of us are, some of us aren't. Would you agree with that? Some of us are more resistant than others. Some horses are more resistant than others as far as feelings. We were talking about this in, in um, Raleigh several years ago. And the guy that spoke before me was a, another veterinarian. And he had an officer in town. And, and he, uh, he asked if he could stay for my lecture. And I thought, oh my, because the whole lecture was on D-Worm. I said, here it comes. You know? And during the lecture, he stood up and he said, uh, uh, do you mind if I say something? And I said, no, go ahead. <laughs> and he stood up and he said, I just want, you, I want everyone to know that dewormers are poisonous. This is a traditional veterinarian. And he said, you know, not all horses have one. It's just kind of nice to have somebody there in that room with another professional say the same thing. But, you know, there's a whole political drug company perspective with regards to dewormers. It used to be that when I first got out of vet school, we used to check our horses for work. We used to do people exams. And that's what I'm suggesting you do. Just do people exams instead of just deworming just because the calendar says so. Because if you just do it just because the calendar says so, you know, there are consequences. There are consequences to move dewormers on, on that much use. No question about that. Have not made anyone mad yet? I mean, does this make any sense at all to you? You know, the flip side of that is, well, you know, some horses, uh, they, you can't always tell what they have with the people exam. Well, that is true. You know, tapeworms don't always show up. Um, bots don't show up. But if you've got eggs on the horse, bot eggs, and their chances are, you know, there's a much greater chance that they'll have box. So deworms. Uh, tapeworms, funny story on tapeworms, in 20 years, 20 some years of practice, I never saw even so much as an article in a veterinary journal about tapeworms. Never saw, I've never heard of, of a situation that a necropsy or what we call it, say, an autopsy in animals, it just wasn't an issue in horses, or not a discussed issue anyway, as far as the veterinary journals go, until suddenly there was a new drug on the market that took care of tapeworms, and then everybody had a tapeworm problem. Another perspective on D-line. Um, as I said, we used to do fecal exams. And what happened? And I'm going to get to your fat overweight horses, I promise you. But this is all part of it. Because a lot of these problems are just resistance type issues. You know, they've got um, their resistance is not as strong as others. You know, they're so weaken them with these chemicals and so on and so forth. But when we first started, when I first started practice, we used to have to pass the down in those if they had one, and deposit the medication in the stomach, and that's the therapy. Then along came these easy to use pace. Well, these pace were such that, um, you know, we all bought into the story just like you did, that all horses had worms. And it was, we made just as much money off the tube of pace as we did passing this food. And it was so much easier just to buy into that. Well, they all had them, just take this home and give them this. And there you go. The rest is history. You know, it's been, you know one, one pace after the next. You know, the first one quit working after a while because of the resistance, and then a new strain, a new type of 
see one where it came out and had to use another one and said the first one didn't work and then another one and then they finally told you to start rotating it because of this position. And now you know, it's got stronger and stronger and now there's some on the market that if your, whole, if your dog gets a hold of the empty tube and just eats the tube, it's what's left over and your dog's going to die. And that's where we progress as far as dewormers or degress or whatever your opinion is on it. So the point is just, you know, don't just take things for granted. Don't just deworm because the calendar says so. Don't just vaccinate because the calendar says so. You know, get with your veterinarian, and unfortunately most of them, you know, they don't understand that, that there's negative consequences of vaccines either, but at least get some education and some knowledge and just vaccinate for what you feel comfortable with. You know, the least you can, the better, because they're full of heavy metals. You know, they're grown in other tissue. They're grown as you're injecting things into them. Uh, I've never seen so many allergy horses in all my life. Cushing horses, there's no question about cushing being related to vaccines, heavy metals from vaccines or something from vaccines. You probably saw the news last night about children with autism. Big controversy. Not only controversy in my mind, I have no question that they were made. None whatsoever. You know, the media tried to say that there was a doctor that was just awarded um, money from the vaccine victim fund that was set up way back in the 80s for uh, negative consequences from vaccines in children. And his daughter became autistic after vaccination. Remember, we'll forget, I was doing a meeting in, in the American Fairies Association. I had a group, probably about, well, maybe, uh, probably about 200 people in this group. And I didn't have long, you know, they had me at the bottom of the list about the four hours. Yeah, so we ran out of time actually, so I only had about five or ten minutes and I wanted to make the greatest impact I could in a short amount of time. And I made a comment about vaccines. I said, whatever you do, you know, check the vaccine. If you have children, we talked about horses in just a second, and I said, if you have children, small children, before you vaccinate them, at least, you know, check on the possibility of, you know, what's occurred with that particular lot of vaccines before, you know, that you can actually call and get the lot number or off the vaccine and see if they've had no problems with that particular lot, because I said, I, uh, in my opinion, there's no question about autism being directly related to vaccines in children, and I talked just briefly about it, and this lady jumped up in the front row and she grabbed the microphone and started crying, so whatever you do, you know, be sure to listen, do this, if my grandchild has autism after vaccine, stop talking. In that real room, just in a matter of five minutes, there were four people that came up to the total of six grandchildren and children that had autism within 30, developed autism within 30 days of vaccination. In that little group, uh, the last presentation I did, one of the bigger shows, the lady that uh, came up afterwards and made a comment, because I had commented on a commercial on TV, it said, um, showed a picture of a child in a car seat, and I think it was like one was from the Autism Association. So the chance of, of, of autism of this child dying in a car accident, and this, uh, this baby dying in a car accident, like one in 162,000. Chances of autism, one in 67, something like that. And this lady came up and says, I work with autism all the time, and it's now it's like one in 12. That's why. So anyway, so 
again, don't just do what what you're told. You know, get some education on your own. Um, and small animal medicine things have changed. Equine medicine is a little bit behind as far as vaccines go. In small animal medicine, they're not all vaccinated just because the calendar says so anymore. You know, they're, they're supposed to be evaluating each individual case and determining what the needs are for that particular situation. Now, some of y'all are looking at me like beer spreading because, you know, this guy's nuts. He's talking about vaccines, talking about deworms, all the things that I've been told to do to keep my horse healthy. He's talking against it. Well, it's because somebody's got to speak for the horse. And and our horses, just so you know, I mean, I practice what I preach. We have about 30 horses. Uh, Our family does. We have six horses in a training barn that has about 200. Uh, probably actually about 400 horses on the whole farm, but they have 60 stallions for breeding. They have mares coming and going. They're showing every single weekend somewhere around the country. We have six horses at this farm. They range anywhere from a weanling to a stallion, age-wise. Um, these our six horses have never had a vaccine in their life. Uh, our horses are third-generation vaccine-free now. And they don't get sick any more than anybody else's horse. Occasionally they'll get sniffles, you know. And yes, there's West Nile, the farm next door. There's horses that die from West Nile on the farm occasionally, you know, so on and so forth. More potential for exposure than other situations. But, you know, our horses don't get sick any more than anybody else's. So, yes? Do you think the horses is well, that's what we're talking about next, is feet, what to feed it horse. Because that's another thing that we've traditionally taken for granted, is we go to the feed store and we buy a feed for our horses. And that's a big problem, the biggest problem with these fat, overweight, crusty neck horses. And let me tell you why. Think about it a little bit. Um, what's in these feeds? What's in a fella? Do you even know what's in a fella? Chances are no. You know, pellets are cooked. So what goes in to make a pellet is not what comes out the other end, in other words. So a lot of the goodies are stored in the cooking process. Plus, again, going back to Mother Nature, I don't know any horse that eats anything that's cooked in the wild. You know? So it's cooked. Not something that I would typically feed a horse. I'm not fond of pellets. But also, um, you know, what are the ingredients that make those salads? What are the ingredients that make that sweet tea? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you feed sweet tea, but I really want you to reconsider pellets or sweet tea or any commercial tea. And one way I want you to do is to convince yourself that if you feed a sweet type feed, just go and um, just take a tablespoon of it and put it on a Dump it on a white piece of paper, take your pocket knife and just start separating out all the pieces of bark. So what looks like corn's over here, what looks like something else is over here, just separate it all out. And when you get it all separated, separate it out and look at it. It's very difficult to even tell what these little pieces parts are. You know? Basically with commercial feeds, where they're taking grain or grain byproducts and they're mixing them to get the right amount of protein, the right amount of fat, the right amount of energy, and then they're adding something to them to make them taste good. Then they might cook them, or they might add molasses, or some other type of substance to make them taste good. 
and then they actually fortify them with vitamins and minerals. Okay? But the big problem with these fat, overweight, crusty neck horses is um, what they add to those seeds is to make the perfect situation for a perfect horse. In other words, let's say on the bag it might say, well, if this horse weighs a thousand pounds and he eats five pounds a day, he's going to get all the vitamins, minerals, enzymes, and everything else that was added to that feed and make it complete. Right? Well, what's the first thing you're going to do with your fat, overweight, pressing that horse? You're going to feed him a whole lot less, right? You're going to cut way down on this feed. Maybe just a handful. But when you do that, is it not obvious that he's getting, let's say you're getting a pound instead of five pounds for the ideal horse. He's getting one fifth of the vitamins, minerals, enzymes, and everything else that he really needs. Now, if you give him more, he's going to get fat. But if you give him less, he's going to get fat. And here's why. Because those vitamins, minerals, and enzymes are so important in the body. You know, if you don't have them, your horse's metabolism is all messed up. So that negatively affects the metabolism even more by not having them, and they even become more of an easy keeper. Does that make sense? On the other end, let's say you have a heart keeper that's eating 10 pounds a day. Well, he's all out of balance too. So it's a very difficult situation with that overweight pressure nickel. You can't just cut back on their feet. Now, you have to have those vitamins, those minerals, those enzymes added to that feed. The reason is our soils today are so deficient. Just like us, you know, our food is so deficient because all the farmers pretty much are putting on the fields today is fertilized. Nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus fertilized. 10 10 10 fertilized. 20 20 20 fertilized. And when they do that, they're not, that's, that's all that, that's growing in the food. Well, it makes them grow, it makes the plant grow, but it's basically it's growing just with water. Because that's what the fertilizer what sucks the, the water up from the ground. But all, what happened to all those other minerals that were on that periodic chart in high school? You know, all those other ingredients. And we're forgetting about those when we formulate feed today. You know, sometimes we'll give them a trace mineral block. But the problem there is those red blocks. Well, they're red because of the iron oxide that they added to them to make them red. Well, the iron oxide ties up all the other minerals anyway. So they're totally useless. All you're getting is extra iron. And in addition to that, the white blocks are kill dried, they're bleached, it's dead salt. You know, there's no good energy in that salt, so to speak. It's just dead. So, um, you have to fortify foods today. You have to put, you have to make sure that they get the right minerals into that feed. And until you get the minerals right, nothing else even really matters. The vitamins are secondary to the minerals, in my opinion. So you have to add it to the feed, though. So if you cut way back on the feed on this easy keeper, he's not getting that ideal amount. Does that make sense? That's a real critical point that you understand it. You just can't cut back on the feed of an easy keeper. And 
Uh, and if you are feeding sweet peas, you need to be real careful about that and hopefully change something besides corn or molasses base. You know, molasses is sugar. Okay? Corn is also sugar. Corn has, you probably heard of the glycemic index. Anybody heard of the glycemic index? Okay. It's how it, how it relates to the sugar's response to the body. So in other words, if the body, um, uh, basically because corn has the same glycemic index as sugar, it means a teaspoon of corn equals the same effect as a teaspoon of sugar. So what happens when they get the sugar in CC or um, molasses? It shoots the sugar up, so you have a sugar high after you get it. And when that happens, when you have a sugar high, the body has to handle that sugar somehow. Okay? So it does that by producing insulin. Okay? When it allows to get the sugar out of the bloodstream and get it into the system where it can be used and so on. So when you have a sugar high, wouldn't you agree that you will have a sugar low a little bit later? Now you know what you feel like if you have a sugar low. Probably not too good, right? Well, exactly. So, to give your horse this fat overweight stretching their horse the food that they're getting less of anyway. They're not getting the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes in it. But they're still getting the sweet feed sugar type product up goes the sugar. And then a little bit later, down comes the sugar. Same thing happens with us when we get up and have a donut for breakfast in the morning. <laughs> sugar high, insulin's produced, sugar low. Now if you work a job, usually that sugar low is about 10 o'clock or 10.30 in the morning, so what do you do? You go there to half of those corn syrup soft drinks. That's even worse. But your body's starving to death. You've got to have something. So if it gets the sugar back up, the problem is because your body's starving to death down here, it actually kicks in the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands will handle stress. You know, you start to let the body stress out. Doesn't know, doesn't know what to do. You've heard of corticosteroids. Uh, uh, that's what's happening. The adrenal glands. You know, what's responsible for cushions? That's what's happening. Your body's producing these uh, steroid-type products to handle the stress. So it keeps the sugar back up in it. And then you have another sugar high, and then you have another sugar low. And you have another sugar high, and another sugar low. So just from eating that candy bar, just from eating that sweet feed in your horse, just from whatever high-glycemic food you're giving or eating, you have this situation where the sugar's doing like this. Now, you don't want those spots. Hot, insulin's produced, the bottom, the adrenals put in. So, literally, just from living, you're wearing your horse out. Just from living, you know, the traditions or lifestyle of the horse, you're wearing your horse out. So along comes a show, or along comes a change in weather, or along comes some other problem, the horse is stressed even more, the chronically, all, all the reserves are wore out basically just from living. So what happens to your horse? He has laminitis, or colic, some other, wherever that particular horse's weak link is, is whatever situation occurs. Just from that sweet Does that make any sense at all? Same thing with us. You know, very same thing happens with us. So, um, another factor uh, with regards to the salt and minerals and, and, and uh, vitamins and so on, because they're not getting what they need, 
again, it negatively affects the metabolism even more. So basically that's what creates the hypothyroidism, not to mention the insulin resistance and the, and the cookies you know, from the overproduction bore out of anyway. It all works together. Yes. The gray mineral block is for horses, um, like Buckeye has one, um, I can't remember the other company, but it's specifically for horses, it's gray. It's, yeah, it's not white, it's not the brown one. And then there's uh, just natural vitamins like the Nature's Essential, which is a pelleted form of vitamin. That's all my one fat horse gets. Okay. If he gets that. Well, that's a good start. The problem is the fact that it's in a block form. Horse cannot get what he needs from a block, in my opinion. They're not liquors. They're not, they're grazing. You know, they're not like a cow. We tend to, to take things from cows throughout history and just do the same thing for a horse. A horse is totally different from a cow. A cow does fine on a block, in most cases, not always. But a horse just can't lift fast enough to get what they need from a block when they need it. And here's why. You know, we talked about the fertilizer earlier. Well, um, grass changes from hour to hour to hour as far as what's in that grass. Just like our metabolism changes. If the grass thinks it's going to die, it wants to bring more water up from the ground. Okay? Because that's a survival instinct, right? We tend to think that grass is a grass. But wouldn't you agree that most things, most problems with the horse occur when there's a weather change? Especially collars and things like that. You know, when there's a seasonal change or after a drought or something. Well, if that grass thinks it's going to die and it sucks its water up from the ground, what's it going to, how does it do that? Well, it brings the fertilizer up into the plant like we talked about earlier. Well, as I said, fertilizer is just nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. Phosphor, or potassium is deadly to a horse if they get too much in a short period of time. Now, how would they get too much in a short period of time? Well, what if they happen to be grazing when they're bringing all this potassium up in the ground? What if they would have been on hay all winter long where the hay is nice and green and lush looking and was heavily fertilized and they could grow and produce a lot of pounds per acre like they usually do with good hay? It's full of fertilizer. So they come off the winter time, they're getting all this good hay that's full of potassium. And then along comes this grass where it's trying to grow in the spring and it's full of potassium. And then the horse is grazing. And here's the problem, the block. If he's got that excess potassium at that particular moment in time, and he can't balance that potassium with a big gulp of free choice sodium chloride and other minerals, then that potassium is deadly to the horse. This is one example of why you wouldn't want to use a block at any time because they can't lick fast enough to balance that excess potassium. And when that happens, that potassium, it, it changes the flora in the gut, changes the bacteria in the gut, it changes the acidity in the gut, just like that. It's the biggest cause of laminitis, acute laminitis. It's the biggest cause of colic, in my opinion. It's the biggest cause of, of abortion in your mare, in my opinion. 
just the cause of changes to gut feel. Botulism. Has anyone ever had a horse but stop from botulism? No. So it's not a pretty disease. And in vet school we were all taught that it's the cause they have been exposed to something dead in the hay or in the field. Something dead. Well, in all my years of practice where I've seen botulism, I've never found anything dead. You know, not a mouse, not a rabbit, nothing that we could actually link to it. And I've come to the conclusion that these botulism, these clostridium type organisms, botulina type organisms, deadly organisms are already in the gut. It's just that when the gut changes, they become deadly. Because usually, again, those are when there's a change in temperature. And I've actually been able to go back and look at grass cutney, not, uh, not grass cutney, but black legged cattle, which is a similar type organism. And you can go out with them, with cattle that, um, in the springtime, when the grass is lush and green, and the, the whole coat is dead from black legged. And these boxes are And again, that's uh, absolutely guaranteed. And I've never heard it, never seen it written. But in my mind, that's because it's the passing issue too. It changes the gut pH just like that. And then these organisms that are already in the gut actually fill uh, the And of course, there's, there's organisms actually with high potassium, the organisms and fungi on the grass even become more steady. Now that's true, and that's awesome. You know, whatever's on the grass, which is high potassium, it becomes more deadly. So I'm not fond of blocks in any way, shape, or form. From, um, getting back to how they used to be for cattle, and the history of blocks being red is because way back when they first started making them, they didn't have good mixtures like we do now. And so and they didn't have color dyes and things like that either. Some of these red blocks are just dyed red, by the way. Um, not iron oxide, but they add iron oxide to them because it's red and when it was mixed good and all red, they knew it was mixed properly. And it's just been held up, you know, continues over the years in many cases if they're not using dyes. But again, the iron oxide will tie up the other trace minerals anyway. Um, and, uh, and another thing too with these blocks are with minerals in general, a lot of minerals are other industries left over. For instance, selenium. Selenium, in most cases, is a waste product of compromise. Selenite or selenate, those are both uh, salts of selenium that are uh, left over from copper mining and many times might have arsenic in it. And I know this because of the first veterinarian, that, that I, I couldn't figure out where all these heavy metals were coming from in Georgia. I used to do a lot of hair analysis, I don't do it anymore, but I used to do a lot of it. And I kept finding all this lead, aluminum, arsenic, cadmium, mercury in these horses, and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And it's driving me nuts. And I finally found a friend of a friend of a friend who led me to a veterinarian at a major university who already had the research. And the research was that most of their mineral, first of all, it's only blocks are useless. First guy that ever told me how to top that dollars, he said, I can't tell you how many cattle, how many horses I see they have mineral imbalances, they can't get the salt and minerals that they need from a block. And he's the one that told me that salt blocks and a mineral block, in his opinion, are killing their horses. But the problem is, every time he tried to tell somebody, he'd get called to the dean's office. I mean, he eventually got put on the back burner somewhere and couldn't even talk to the public anymore 
because he was creating such a problem for these salt and mineral and fertilizer companies that gave the schools all this money that they would have fired him if they could. That's true story. I mean, I've actually heard it from the mineral companies themselves. You know, in, uh, and um, remember down in Kentucky when all these horses and mares were losing their babies several years ago? And we've all heard that it was caterpillars, right? And that, that, that was the final thing. They, they could never did figure out what it was, but somehow it was related to caterpillars. So this particular guy just said an end. What he told me was, he said, when I worked with these farms, first thing I did is I took away the salt in their mineral blocks. Even free source mineral if they had them. And when I did that, and I replaced them with a natural source of salt and mineral, they stopped aborting the next day. These caterpillars have nothing to do with it. Heavy metals, toxins that we don't even recognize being in these salt and mineral blocks, and so on and so forth. So that just really got me thinking, you know, what's going on? And he actually showed me his research as far as things like... Um, Dr. phosphate at the time was often contaminated with cadmium. And he was actually able to, he's probably one of the first guys to ever get a company shut down shipping products from, from China because it was contaminated with something. Actually, Dr. Company stopped. This was way back then. So, there's, uh, first of all, they cannot get what they need from a block fast enough for when they need it. Okay? And then oftentimes they get too much of what they don't need from a block. They'll overconsume what they don't need, trying to get what they do need, and it may not even be in there because it's what what man put in there. All the more reason to go back into something natural. Okay? But, you know, man only knows so much. You know, there's probably minerals that we haven't even discovered yet. Have you ever been on a trail ride or ever noticed your horse out in the pasture even trying to find a spot of dirt and just eat dirt? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I had a horse, um, a 26-year-old mare, and we had to do a cesarean on it. And I took her to UT, and they did the surgery down there. And while, while she was there, um, I forgot to take our salt and mineral. I thought it's all red cow, and I forgot. I didn't even think about it. But I remember seeing that little red block in her stall down there. She was down there for like six weeks. And we finally brought her home. Um, she had all kinds of complications while she was there. But anyway, we brought her home. She wasn't really doing good at all. Um, but she was alive, and we were thankful for that. And, you know, we just needed to get her home. She still had the belly wrap on. And I decided, well, maybe if I just let her have a little bit of rest. Because she hadn't been out of the stall hardly except for hand walking in a long time on the concrete. So I took her outside and this horse started leading me around the yard, all around the barn. And she kept going. I figured she was looking for the best grass. She was looking for the best dirt. And she found a, an area that was no bigger than this here. And she started pulling the roots, the grass up by the roots, and literally eating the dirt. And she made holes about this big around all over that area. In fact, I got videos. I had my phone and I started taking videos of this horse from the dirt. And you know, the next day, the next day this horse started getting better. And she's just missing something, you know? I think most of our diseases today in general are just missing something. You know, it's not in the food, it's not in our diet anymore. We're just missing something. Or we got too much of something, like the heavy metals and so on. 
Well, I kept pursuing this, this, these thoughts in this particular veterinarian. And he actually led me to a source of mineral from the desert. It's a natural source of salt and minerals. It's what, it's what the Mustangs eat, but it's also, you know, prehistoric ocean. Way back when it was the ocean. So every mineral known to man was in there. Um, I'm sure there's micronutrients in there that we haven't even discovered, probably minerals that we haven't even discovered yet. And it's what he used on those farms in Kentucky. And it's good phenomenal. I mean, that alone will fix more problems than you can ever imagine. Back up over the years that we've been using it, I, I truly believe it's the single most healthy thing you can do for any horse is to throw away those salt and mineral blocks and, you know, find a natural source of root salt and mineral so they can get all they want when they need it. And um, hopefully you'll try higher. It's all red cow. And we do have a high mag version now, too, where we took the same natural source of salt and mineral and we added extra magnesium to it for these easy keepers like most of y'all have. And it's just awesome to see the free choice, hang a bucket on a fence post, just make sure that there's some in it all the time. Rain doesn't even hurt it, makes it better because it makes it stick to the bottom of the bucket where they can't even dump it out if they turn it upside down. But it's still soft enough that they can get a big gulp to balance its excess potassium. So, then that's it. I mean, that, that is the single most healthy thing to do. Uh, it's called red cow, and then we have a high mag red cow, R-E-D. CAL for calcium. Actually, from three different desert sources. So that's the history on that product, and that is the single most healthy thing you can do for these, uh, any horse for that matter, but especially your insulin resistant horses. And let's go, let me answer her question. Remind me of thyroid, and talk about that next with regard to but I have a
never had to take that into consideration when fixing these overweight fat cuts and that sort of insulin resistant laminated or whatever. Now there's folks out there telling you to soak your hay, you know, check your hay and check your sugar level and so on and so forth. But we just haven't had to do that. Okay, thank you. Yes. Yes. And there's some other things we can do too. I don't want to talk about oils in just a minute. That's a critical part. Sure will. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yes, ma'am. Um, I have two clients. I don't know if they were doing it. Yep. Yeah, I know. I read that. You said. You got to. You say what you got to do. Um, That's right. And they say a lot of things I don't agree with. You just got to follow the sword. Follow the money trail. Well, that still goes back to that horse that's just getting a little bit of rain. If he's just getting grass, period, because all the grass has today is fertilizer or nothing, okay, because they're so depleted otherwise, he's not getting the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes and everything that he needs. So we need to address that with him, and we will. Let's talk a little bit about that the thyroid, though, uh, real briefly, because what we tend to do with thyroid, five minutes, that's all. Wow, with thyroid, you tend to give them this medication that takes over for the thyroid. Okay, the problem there is you shut the thyroid down. What we do is a different approach. We actually add ingredients to make the thyroid function better, okay, to help it produce more rather than just shutting it down with thyroid medicine. The thyroid is responsible for so much more than just um, producing the synthetic thyroid medication. Five minutes, that's all. Oh, it's 1.30. It's almost 1.45. Oh, it is? Okay. Anyway, uh, so let's, let's just cut right to the case. What do you got to do with your horse? Okay, you got to get him off commercial feed. You got to get him on what I recommend is oats. Oats is the closest thing to natural. Forget what they say about high carbs and all this. If you have the right fat, if you have the right uh, vitamins, minerals, and enzymes, and so on. Oats, by far, the best feed for any horse. It's, it's unbelievable what that alone will do for a horse. And just plain old oats. Just plain old whole oats. Crimp is only 6% more efficient. Uh, and once you crimp the hole, once you break the hole, roll it or otherwise, it starts going rancid. So, uh, whole oats are the best thing. That way you can feed that horse whatever amount of oats you want. When you do that, though, you have to make those oats complete as far as vitamins, minerals, enzymes. We actually have formulated a product that we call Just Add Oats that makes the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes and everything correct for those oats. So whatever amount of oats they need, add the Just Add Oats to it. That gets the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes right. The next thing is the oils, the good fat. Commercial feeds today are also full of hydrogenated processed fat. It's killing us and it's killing our horses. That's the number one problem with commercial is, is your hydrogenated fat. You need a crude, unrefined, unprocessed, we even have a genetically modified organism free version of good fat. Good fats give the omega 3s, omega 6s, omega 9s. Our allergy is soybean oil, but again, it's GMO free. 
that is critical, critical for these overweight horses. Now you wouldn't think that fat would be important, but it, you've got to have it. Not massive amounts of it. You can put weight on it with massive amounts, but you've got to have fat to burn fat, period. So you see in the oats, you get the vitamins and minerals, you add that to it, you add the oil to it, we call it weight check. Okay? That gets the feed right. That's all you need as far as feed. So with a salt block, mineral block, give them um, three choice of the one we talked about, red cow, high mass, that gets that right, that's the total feeding program. If you already have one that's overweight, stretch your neck and so on, we have a product that you can give them to hasten things along. It's called critical care hypothyroid overweight formula. They don't need it forever, thank goodness, it's expensive, but you can take a hypothyroid horse, insulin resistant horse, put them on that, and that stress on those will go away in a couple of cups once you get the other stuff right. That's it's as simple as that. And you'll have a new horse and I see hundreds of them. <laughs> Yes. The next lady. Did she do it? The next lady. Okay. 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 The problem with ration balancers and these, um, I'm not going to, your low starch foods and so on, they're full of fat. But they're full of that hydrogenated processed fat. They've got to have good fat. But these, uh, most of your products that are where you feed just a little bit of, they have this junk fat in. That's what's that's the only thing they use in commercial feeders because it's the only thing they can put in a bag that is stable enough to put in the feed room for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. It doesn't go empty. So if they don't tell you that it's not hydrogenated, it is hydrogenated. Okay. Then that's a critical thing. If it's because hydrogen, hydrogenated, the use non-hydrogenated fat is expensive. But if we don't use it, we're going to kill our horses just like we're killing us, just like feeding the margarine. You know what I mean? It's awful for That, to me, that is, the minerals are crucial, number one, getting rid of the salt blocks and mineral blocks. The next thing is the bad fats and these commercial feeds that are causing the problems. Y'all are doing what you think you need to do by cutting back. But even when you cut back, they're not getting vitamins, minerals, enzymes, and they're still getting those hydrogenated fat. Any hydrogenated fat is off any amount. Stabilized rice plant. Well, the problem with rice plant is, in my opinion, is uh, it actually pulls calcium out of bone. That's why they stabilize it, not with the fat, but they stabilize it with calcium carbonate because it has, a, as been shown, laboratory-wise and clinically, to pull calcium out of the bone, so they add calcium carbonate to it to put it back in. Well, that just doesn't make sense to me. It's not, to me, it's not the best source of fat. Ours is actually soybean oil, but again, it's crude, unrefined, unprocessed, and even genetically modified ordinary fruit. So, yeah. Well, that's not the end of But um, anyway, it's called Weight Check. And we're right outside of Stop By. I've got a CD, a DVD, a magazine. Um, go to our website. If you ever have a vet question, you can click on Ask the Vet on the naturalhorsevet.com. I'll be happy to answer. Help you specifically with your horse more in depth, either here in a minute or later on online. Thank you all so much. Yes.